0: This is Kid Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. You are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app.
1: I came to warn you, but I was captured and imprisoned here. They wouldn't listen. Big surprise. I sense you do not trust me. Perhaps this will help Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Welcome, everybody, to Episode 279 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, we have a special treat for the listeners. It's a five-Saturday month, which, of course, means next week we've got an Worlds. But having just come to the end of a, uh, a big, dramatic, climactic final battle in last week's review of Divided We Fall, it didn't quite feel right to just throw in another random episode of Justice League or Justice League Unlimited to, uh, to cap that off. So we decided we would go back to another tried and true uh, uh, little, uh, little extra feature that we do on these shows, which is, of course, one of our character spotlight episodes. On, uh, on one of our original seven Justice Leaguers. And uh, by my count, outside of the big three, we've only got one left to cover here in volume one of this character's character spotlight.
0: That is right, Liam. We dusted off the big shiny light uh, and uh, made sure that that, Batman logo hit sticker had been removed off of it. So it's just a big shiny spotlight at this point. The DCAU character spotlight to be specific. And you're right. We have had a month devoted talking about uh, The Flash. At least volume one of The Flash. Where we talked about all his season one Justice League appearances. And his very first appearance, of course, in Superman the Animated Series. We talked about Hawkgirl. And everything leading up to and including... I believe the uh, the the betrayal of the Justice League. We didn't go much beyond that, and then we uh, we did a, a green- season one. Did did we just do season one for her? Yeah, yeah. We, how we you see time time flies? I never know what exactly we cover. So <laughs> we covered just season one with her also, and then uh, we also did a Green Lantern slash John Stewart and the Green Lanterns. Uh, week where we uh, shined a green shaded spotlight on the uh, the Kyle Rayner and the core and and mostly Jon Stewart for that one covering his season one appearances and we're keeping that theme alive here as you mentioned. Uh, it would take a little bit to talk uh, talk more about Wonder Woman. We have a, maybe a Wonder Woman-themed month coming up in the future. So uh, that one could, uh, could be on the horizon here. But as we talked about last week, it's going to be a little difficult to do a Superman or Batman Spotlight Month. It also seems... A little bit silly seeing as how they got their own shows. Uh, so they kind of had their own spotlights for several seasons. So uh, we might do some themed spotlight episodes relating to those characters. We've been kicking ideas around. Uh, and uh, feel free if you're listening at home and have an idea for a Batman or Superman themed spotlight. It'd be a specific category. Shoot, shoot it to us at DCAU Review and we'll certainly consider it. But for this month, uh, speaking of green, we are sticking with... John Jones also known as the Martian Manhunter and this week we are going to answer the question Liam do they ever refer to him as the Martian Manhunter in this <laughs> series find out today it's going to be plenty of fun
2: That's right so uh a uh, spoiler alert the answer is not technically in this series it is, he is called that in a JLU episode uh quite a bit down the line but uh and for the main series he's only called jean by his teammates and and perhaps the martian by his uh his enemies in this series so uh, we have a lot to talk about with uh with this jean jones slash martian manhunter character spotlight we're going to tackle all of his season one appearances and then we'll also delve into of course some uh, tie-in comics and toys and things like that as we always do on these character spotlights episodes but of course, Cal, we would be remiss not to mention that this episode, despite the fact that we have no IMDB synopsis to read this week since, since we're not reviewing any one episode, we do, of course, still have to say that today's episode is brought to you by the Pod Tower.
0: Absolutely. If you're a fan of podcasts that discuss DC animation, we have a YouTube channel just for you. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower today. And we invite you to subscribe. You get not one, not two, but as of this recording. There are three different podcasts that will be readily available at your disposal. We have Tim Talk, which covered all of the DCAU's content and additional content beyond that. Their entire catalog is up there ready for your listening pleasure. We also have the ongoing Jump on the Batwagon series from the folks at Watchtower Database. And you have the entire podcast library of a little podcast known as the DCAU Review. Hey, that's us. All available in one convenient spot for your listening pleasure on YouTube. Head over to youtube.com slash thepodtower today and subscribe.
2: Absolutely. So kicking off this uh, Martian Manhunter character spotlight, we will, of course, as we always do, mentioned that the character's origins, of course, appeared first in the pages of Detective Comics Comics. And usually that's just a funny thing I say, because that's what the DC stands for. But uh, in Jean's case, he actually did debut in an issue of Detective Comics, Detective Comics number 225 in November of 1955. And uh, it was created by Joseph Somicson and Joe Serta was the artist. So uh, a character with a long tenure in DC comics, he's kind of one of the perennial Justice League roster members, no matter what uh, variation, the original uh, incarnation, all the way through to the kind of the the classic J.M. DeMatteis, Keith Giffen, Justice League International days, the Grant Morrison and, and Howard Porter JLA run in the later 90s and early 2000s. Jean's just, he's always around. He's always there if you're doing a justice league, this guy really is on the short list at all times, no matter what the era.
0: No, you're absolutely right. He's an interesting character. I think for a lot of reasons, the depending on what incarnation of him you use, he seems to always have a similar backstory, at least where he's, uh, he's, he's kind of got a Superman esque backstory, obviously being the last member of his kind. And uh, you know, yeah, feeling like a fish out of water learning a new uh learning a, a new culture certainly here on earth i guess the only difference is uh, adapting to a culture as a as an adult versus a a little mm-hmm. baby growing up on earth so uh, all of that as well as he's got a fascinating set of powers as we uh, as we will certainly see as we go through his season one appearances here everything from shape shifting flying of course being able to read minds he's truly one of if not the most overpowered character in the Mm -hmm. league and uh, usually typically his main involvement or main vulnerability would be uh, fire so uh, that's typically how how he has been and continues to be in and and the Justice League animated version that we're gonna be talking about here is no exception fire is his uh, is his main arch nemesis so uh, real strong real interesting you get to have a lot of fun and I think uh, when they decided to to use him in Justice League, uh, they went with a, a character that would be certainly visually interesting, somebody that they could have a lot of fun with uh, in the way that they visualize his powers. And I I wonder if they understood sort of the character arc at the time that they would take this character on because it is certainly an interesting one. It starts off uh, very early on with a with a very fascinating origin story. He he, he kind of gets the origin tale. Uh, In his first episode, and then by the end of the series, by the end of Justice League Unlimited... Uh, there's a lot of character growth and uh, a lot of uh, finding himself in and uh, his place here on Earth. So it's a, uh, a fascinating character, no matter what incarnation and and one that I am certainly glad was was used in the in the DCAU because it uh, it added a, an additional dimension and uh, a humanity to the league in a weird way. Saying that as a uh, as a character that's supposedly born a, as a Martian. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Yes. As, as we often talk about with these, uh, these super powered characters, if uh, when they're, uh, when they're treated well, when they're written well, um, they are just as relatable as any other fictional character. They just happen to uh, in this case be green and wear blue underpants. So (laughs) with that in mind, we will move into the first appearance in the DCAU for John Jones. That of course is in the three part premiere of Justice League the original Justice League animated series in November of 2001 and uh of course it was three episodes technically but it was all aired originally as one sort of television movie event and uh, it's it starts out uh, it starts out as the really the formations of this of this justice league with Superman and Batman kind of investigating this strange alien invasion, which is first going by sort of very quietly and with a lot of espionage but Superman keeps having these strange uh, psychic uh, image all of these images sort of beamed into his head he 's not quite sure what 's going on as he uh, as he continues to disarm he decides he 's going to he Superman 4s it. He decides he's going to disarm all the nukes and uh, and save the world and 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 create world peace through this message, and uh, of course, right at that moment, that's when the uh, these strange white aliens, uh, the name of which are, uh, I know a source spot for our, our friends at the Watchtower database. They're not called the aliens. The white aliens are not called the Imperium. The big pink dude is the Imperium. I don't think the white guys have a name.
0: Correct. <laughs> but-
2: But uh, yes, but yes, this alien invasion is happening. Finally, Superman realizes what those psychic uh, pulses were, and he flies off to a government facility where he and Batman are met with uh, none other than Jean himself, who has been captured. And uh, we quickly find out not only what he can do as uh, in order to try to in order to try to make Batman feel more at home. He decides to transform his normal, uh, true Martian form into that of a more superheroic uh, style, and uh, and then he informs them sort of of the some of the backstory that he had come to Earth to try to uh, inv- to try to warn the U.S. government about this invasion, but that he had been captured and studied since he had been there some months ago, and now it's too late as the aliens arrive, and and we quickly find out that uh, not only. Did he come here as a warning? He's also kind of a uh, a walking billboard for what could happen to Earth if uh, if these aliens are not stopped. As he informs the Justice League after they form up, when Green Lantern, and Hawkgirl, and Wonder Woman, along with the Flash, show up to save Batman and Superman from the uh, from the aliens, we uh, we get a, a little bit of a history lesson as Jean explains that as many of you will know, he is in fact the last surviving Martian and uh the reason all the other martians are gone is because they were they themselves were invaded by the alien force and though they did finally manage to defeat it with some confusing unexplained paralyzing gas uh they did not uh it was at great cost as jean at the end of the battle is quite literally the last man on mars
1: the attack was successful but the cost was dear i was the only survivor the last of my kind. I sealed up their citadel to keep them in a constant state of suspended animation. For over five hundred years, I stood guard over them. But then, while I was in a hibernation cycle, astronauts from Earth unsealed the stronghold and accidentally revived the invaders.
0: Wait, those astronauts never said anything about finding life on
1: Mars. Hmm. Some pencil pusher in Washington probably decided it should be classified information. With all the Martians gone, the invaders had nothing left to feed upon, so they turned their sights to Earth. I narrowly escaped, and came here to warn of the coming danger. While I was being held against my will, the invaders sent advance agents to disable Earth's defenses. That's why they sabotaged the Deep Space Monitoring Network, so we couldn't detect their activities. We've got to stop them before it's too late. It
0: may already be too late, and that does uh does set us up for later references and certainly more dimension to the to the genre character having that tragic backstory but Uh, He actually gets to kind of be set up for this particular episode, Liam, for episodes uh, two and three of that original secret origins as as one of the major keys to saving the world. He's introduced as Earth's final hope as he's initially discovered by Superman in the uh, in the lab there and then uh through two and three uh, or parts two and three he teams up with the leaguers and we get some uh get some fun fisticuffs between him and the martians giving the the leaguers a bit of a backstory on who they are as you mentioned how they came to power and then uh ultimately uh comes face to face with the imperium in part three and one of many what would be many uh, great little stanzas there by them by Jean uh verbal spats as he goes up against the imperium and ends up dragging the imperium into the sunlight as he realizes that the sunlight is exactly what they are trying to avoid and ultimately is their vulnerability and uh, that whole final scene in in part three is he has the tentacle kind of jamming it's a very disturbing vigu- vis- visual back to back weeks talking about tentacles here on on the dcau podcast our, our tentacle fans are really getting their kicks out of it but uh yes the the tentacles of the imperium sort of running up and invading john's Je- face uh and uh sort of providing this electro shock as he's uh as he's going through it and uh he realizes as i mentioned that uh that they are they are vulnerable to the sun No.
1: ma'am? It can't be. I mentally shielded him so he couldn't be detected. What have you done? Reverse the ion charge. The crystal, destroy it.
0: It's shielded.
1: ground and shun the light why does it burn your pale putrid skin
0: Ooh, that's one nasty sunburn and uh, as the sun rays burst through jean talks about how they avoid the sun because it blisters their skin and he grabs the tentacle and pulls the imperium directly into the sun so that it yells out with this horrible screech and uh begins melting and bubbling it's uh from my recollection we haven't re- we haven't reviewed that episode in quite some time in fact it was way back on episode 30 of the podcast if you want to check that one out in the archives but uh yeah secret origins uh it's a disturbing visual as the imperium's skin begins to bubble and boil and there's these popping and all, all of this it's it's pretty Pretty entertaining, uh, matched, of course, with uh, Carl Lumley's Martian Manhunter voice, as we'll talk about later on here. But yeah, it's a pretty memorable scene, and uh, Jean is clearly ready to make a rather huge impact on the show, as uh, he he does end up uh, being sort of the the star and the man that is ultimately responsible for saving the Earth from this invading force.
2: That's right. We uh, this is uh, this is another one of those uh, powers that you. Wonder why he never used it again, but he uh, he mentally shields Batman so he can't be detected. And as Batman is able to create some sort of device that reverses, these uh, these giant alien devices that are causing like permanent darkness and allows the sun to shine, as you mentioned. And that is the undoing of these aliens as Jean and the rest of the justice league are able to take them out and save the, uh, the trapped uh, humans that have been replaced by the shape changing aliens as well. So it is uh it is a all's well that ends well, although even from the end of this very first episode as as Superman makes the speech and they're forming the team. Uh, It's clear that uh, the Jean still doesn't really exactly know what his place is going to be in the world, but uh, it is nice at least in this moment to know that he's not alone. And uh, you know, he's around he's around some people that maybe know what, what he's going through. So as, uh, as the series goes on, we didn't have to wait long to see Jean again, as he does appear in, in blackest night parts one and two, not a lot of big moments for him in this one, uh, as we said, a lot of these earlier episodes, it kind of just we picked one guy, one character, one guy or or girl to uh, to kind of focus in on, and the other characters were more just there as uh, exposition bouncers and 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 you know punchers for the action beats. But he is there. He and Superman, along with Hawkgirl, do discover the uh, the giant device that is uh, that is pro- they're projecting an invisibility around the planet that John Stewart has been framed for blowing up you know that old that old tale mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then he of course with the rest of the justice league help uh, help the green lantern corps stop the man hunters at the end uh, not much to uh, to touch on there for Jean moments but uh, yeah it sees again we're we're kind of a, we're forming the bonds we're seeing he's he's a he's a supporting character as we see some some fleshing out of the other leaguers as well yeah,
0: we get to see also uh, I I, it, I don't know if this was intentional or uh, I, again, we know that uh, the late great Dwayne McDuffie played meticulous uh, uh, attention to the details and trying to keep continuity straight. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we do we do have a, a brief conversation in this episode, to my recollection, where they're trying to get uh the different leaguers on board to help in this situation and uh they go to they go to Jean to sort of coordinate things. He mentions that uh that the Batman would only say he's busy and he's keeping track of where Wonder Woman is. So obviously we know later on in further seasons, John would become the guy that's responsible for, you know, making sure uh, the leaguers are assigned as this, as the size of the team grew. Uh, He's the, he's the man that's uh, running coordinators uh, so to speak. So uh, he gets to, he gets to show a little bit of that there. And if you're interested in hearing our review of that episode, it's episode 31 in the archives
2: absolutely and uh, next of course we would see jean again in uh, the very next episodes the enemy below parts one and two which of course are our big epic reintroduction of aquaman to the dcau and uh and again not a, not a ton for jean to do character wise he does at one point uh, disguise himself as aquaman when there's a, an attempt made on on uh, aquaman's life by deadshot who of course we come to find out was hired by none other than aquaman's own brother orm and uh jean is a uh, as along for the ride as the justice league try to stop a a nuke that's gonna set off a tidal wave is that what happens in that episode <laughs>
0: It's been a while <laughs> that sounds right it's been a while because that was episode 32 of the, of, the, <laughs> of the podcast check that out in the archives but yeah that's a fun one and again uh, certainly notable for for Jean's turn it, it shows a little bit of his uh, of his power set there you have a little mm-hmm. bit of fun of him acting as uh, as Aquaman in that scene where he can fools Deadshot. Deadshot is uh, attempting to assassinate him so we get uh, we get get that little bit of John's power set there but uh, it truly is more uh, focused on Aquaman it's it is a great episode obviously and it's one that uh, that we we gave high scores to from my recollection but uh, yeah it's definitely not uh, not a Jean focused episode in a way that uh, anything else would be memorable enough for me to say oh yeah that's the episode where Jean does x
2: (laughs) absolutely and uh, moving on to one of one of the only uh, season one episodes we haven't covered. Uh, this will be coming up in a future character theme month, as you uh, alluded to. But Paradise Lost parts one and two were Jean's next appearances, and again, that's a that's a Wonder Woman focused story and deals with her going back to Themyscira to try to uh, to save her mother and the rest of the Amazons from from Hades who has taken over. But uh, there is something there, obviously, at the end with uh, Diana. Because she brings men onto the island to help save the Amazons, she is in fact banished at the end. And there's kind of a a kinship which we again see maybe explored not so much in this season, but in later seasons of of Jean and and Diana and even even Superman to an extent. I think of the the loss and the you know the the orf orph- the almost you know forced orphanhood of. uh, of their lives at certain points so there's uh even if it's not necessarily there's some building blocks i feel like that's a lot of season one Mm -hmm. there are some more overt stuff especially like john and shaira stuff kind of kicks off in the season pretty overtly but i feel like a lot of season one justice league as we're going through it's like okay they don't really touch on that that deeply now but that relationship is built up based on these sorts of adventures where you know, where Jean sees Diana kind of losing her home in a way the same way that he's lost his.
0: Yeah, I... I... I agree with you. We I haven't seen. I feel like we had that episode on tape, so we watched a lot back in the day, and uh, maybe it was on the first release of the Justice League DVD. I think there was like maybe six episodes on a DVD back in the day that we had uh, prior to the full season release. So definitely mm-hmm. saw that episode a whole bunch, but was not one that was uh, that I that I've seen since then so it'll be interesting to see uh you know those those uh those themes explored once we get a, around to doing it but uh yeah nothing that i can again nothing that comes to mind that was a, a pivotal john moment in that episode
2: absolutely and uh from there another episode which i would say doesn't really uh focus on john too much but he is there it's a big one it's notable because it's one of a few episodes in this first se- season where we see all seven leaguers in action against uh the uh, the beginnings of the injustice gang of Lex Luthor's uh Lex Luthor's group of supervillains that he puts together to try to kill Superman and uh John is there. I think I think maybe the best moment of this two-parter might be you know batman is injured by copperhead in this episode and decides he's going to go out and investigate alone and there's a moment where jean like really tries to connect with them and tell him you know you're valued and and you're part of this team and you don't have to prove yourself to anybody and uh batman just cuts him off and says i'm leaving unless you want to stop me
1: the venom antidote it's working welcome back we were afraid we'd lost you luthor and the others what happened they got away All but Copperhead. I'm headed down to Strikers to interrogate him. All right, let's go. No, you're staying here. That venom almost killed you. So? So, you're staying here. You really should be resting. I know this must be hard for you, feeling vulnerable. You're the only one of us without special powers. But you don't need to prove yourself. You're a valued member of this team, and we're only trying to- I'm taking the shuttle.
2: Unless you want to try and stop me. No. (laughs) <laughs> and, and john just and john just looks at him and again this this goes into the brilliance of uh some of the uh of carl Lumbly as a performer and to humor he could sometimes inject in even into a character that is so kind of uh serious a lot of the time which he just he just responds no <laughs> and, let's, <laughs> and let's batman go i think there's also some shape shifting in uh in this one for him as well so he I'm uh sure there is. So there's uh yes yeah, so there's some fun to be had again. That's that's more just the the fun of that is one you know the return of some characters we saw in the previous animated series like Joker and Lex, and also just seeing all the leaguers together fighting some uh, some familiar faces in the uh, in the super villains
0: yeah good guys versus bad guys uh lex and and the joker versus the justice league and uh, you get all these other new baddies in this uh this episode involved and yeah it's a fun one for sure check out our review of that episode our original our original review of that episode at least back on episode 43 in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app
2: that's right. And uh, moving on to one of, I think, one of Jean's bigger moments in, in the first season here, we have War World parts one and two, which, of course, features uh, Superman and Jean getting stranded on the titular na- named planet of War World. And uh, Superman, of course, thrown into a uh, th- Superman and Jean both thrown into a prison and, uh, and Superman, of course, sort of made into a gladiator to fight. For this war-, war world's amusement, and Jean, uh, due to some sort of uh, <laughs> it looks, because the episode had to happen, right. Jean's powers aren't working right. That's right. So, the, atmosphere, uh, the the planet's
0: atmosphere so, for some reason affected Jean.
2: That's sure. right. So Jean is able to escape the prison without, but has to leave Superman behind. And then uh, Jean does get to play a, a pretty memorable role at the at the beginning of part two, as it appears Superman is about to be put to death for refusing to finish off his uh, his gladiatorial opponent uh, Jean kind of uh creates an uprising so to speak creates turns uh turns Superman into a uh, a literal symbol in the in this moment uh and he does it as any good chant at a uh at a wrestling match or uh or a sports event will tell you he just starts saying his name over and over again
0: <laughs> yeah it's a it's a pretty memorable and fun part of the episode um he he says uh superman one and if you don't uh if you if you kill him anyway we're gonna riot so uh he uh he in a way save Superman's life in a way that uh, he, rather than using his fists, he uses his advanced Martian brain to figure out a way to, uh, to, to recognize that Mongol in that moment wasn't, wasn't looking for an entire people to revolt against him. So he had to, uh, he kind of had to uh, acquiesce to what the the crowd wanted. And yeah, it's a, it's an interesting episode. Maybe not, uh, not one of our favorites story wise, (laughs) Uh, Another one of those that we had seen a bunch of times. I don't remember giving this necessarily high marks, but there are some (laughs) memorable moments for sure. Uh, We reviewed that one actually not not it is that long ago. Thinking about it, but it doesn't feel that long ago. Uh, Episode 187 of the podcast. Uh, You can check that one out in the archives if you want to hear all of our thoughts on that particular
2: episode. That's right. He also uh, he pretends to be. He tries to use his powers to pretend to be Mongol uh to get them to de- decommission the death star laser that mongol suddenly has mm-hmm. um but it uh, doesn't quite work out but thankfully hawkgirl and green lantern uh, arrive to save the day and and help him out of that but yes that'll move us on to our next appearances where he is in the brave and the bold not the cartoon but the <laughs> so the individual two episodes of justice league entitled that of course that's the gorilla grad debut episode really a almost entirely a flash episode a flash story along with green lantern kind of establishing that buddy cop relationship between those two but uh Jean is along for the ride he's part of the uh the secondary justice league crew in that episode with batman wonder woman and hawk girl who uh go to the gorilla city get captured and then uh, ult- ultimately are able to stop the missiles from uh, destroying destroying the city at the end of the episode so not much again not much to sink our teeth into character wise but uh but uh, hey he 's there, and there are a bunch of giant gorillas it's it 's a wacky little episode,
0: <laughs> yeah, that one's memorable that 's more of a flash episode in fact i'm pretty sure we covered that during our flash themed month uh, just mm-hmm. last year, so uh, you can check that one out in the archives at uh, on episode two twenty one of the podcast uh, yeah not a Not a ton for Jean to do in that episode, certainly more of a flash. Uh, centric episode but hey as you mentioned it's an entertaining episode you have uh, the gorilla garage origin and uh, gorilla city not to be confused with bird city which is a different city uh, that is made up completely of birds where mr wing originated from
2: (laughs) classic that is a dcau review classic we're bringing it back never forget that's right bird city but yes we will uh move on to uh, another episode one of the other episodes which will be saved for our wonder woman month uh that being fury parts 1 and 2 where uh, aresia the evil not really an amazon amazon uh gets uh, gets uh, just gets a little bit too uh too excited about the idea of a world with no men and decides to make like a nerve gas that only affects men or something it's it's not the <laughs> It that wasn't the most interesting episode for my recollection but we haven't given it a a full critical critical uh look just yet like i said probably coming uh sometime in the next uh next year but uh yeah fear not not a lot for jean although he does among the uh as all the other male leaguers do he does fall victim to this uh this male-only poison gas that uh, that uh, Aresia has unleashed on the world that Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl have to go uh, save the world from.
0: Yep, it's uh, it's an episode that happens. I will be interested <laughs> to see uh, where it, uh, it falls on the scale of things. All I can remember is all of the leaguers uh, laying shirtless in the watchtower, all the male leaguers laying shirtless in the watchtower as uh, they're trying to recover from this uh, horrible, horrible poison that's been released to kill all the men so that's the only thing i remember from the episode uh i don't remember Jean's part in that episode but uh i'm sure he's there and uh we'll have plenty (laughs) plenty to talk about uh once uh once we get an opportunity to review that for wonder
2: woman month absolutely but from an episode we have very little to say about to an episode we have almost nothing but Things to say about that being, of course, Legends Part One and Two. Uh, though Jean is not the main character of those episodes it's very much a Green Lantern focused story and an overall lo- love letter to the Golden Age of DC Comics. Uh, Jean is plays a pretty important part as the guy, kind of putting together, ultimately putting together the mystery of what is happening, along with uh, John and Shayera doing some investigating as they arrive in this sort of strange alternate 1940s worlds with uh you know old-timey cars and and very over the top supervillains and and a group of heroes called the justice guild but uh jean keeps having these sort of strange flashes of a world a world on fire nuclear holocaust something is not right here and uh at the uh, towards the end of part 2 he finally puts together that it is none other than young Ray uh, who has sort of the, has sort of played to this point in the, in the two parts has played sort of a, a pastiche of a Burt Ward's Robin Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just a sign of a, a, a kid who's hanging around and, and throwing out exclamations, throwing out catchphrases. It turns out that he's actually a horrifying mutant who was damaged and changed by the nuclear energy that has ravaged this version of earth and has used his newfound powers to uh, psychically create a dream world for himself with, with the superheroes that he idolized as a kid before they all perished in this great war. And, uh, and John and the rest of the justice league are ultimately saved by the justice guild who, even though these are fictional versions of those heroes, fictional versions within the fictional show Uh, created memories really they still are enough like their original counterparts that they know they have to give their lives to save the real justice league and and they do it and so that's uh, that's a very special episode i know it's very near and dear to you especially cal um uh, again not a huge jean episode it's much more of a green lantern story as mentioned but uh jean with a a pretty big part to play as far as putting together those final chess pieces or puzzle pieces as to what the, uh, the mystery exactly is.
0: Yeah. It's uh, we've, I I think every opportunity we've had, I think every one of these spotlight episodes, because uh, you know, the we've done Hawkgirl, we've done the flash, we've done Green Lantern. And now we're, we're doing uh, Jean. We've had an opportunity to talk about this episode specifically. And it is a uh, one near and dear to me one of my favorite d c a u episodes period ever uh it's just it's just so great i love everything about this episode i love the homages to the the silver and golden age of comic books i love that uh these characters are are sort of uh, they're parodies of of those uh, characters uh but not disrespectful in any way so it is it is sort of that uh that that pre brave in the bold cartoon love letter to that era and uh it is uh it's a lot of fun it's uh it's they hey this was multiverse before multiverse was in vogue by the way they talk about uh tom turbine does a whole soliloquy about the about the multiverse so uh you get some some before that was uh the most popular thing for comic book uh, comic book uh, media to do that was uh, that was happening back in 2002 or whatever this was 2001 2002 mm-hmm. so yeah it's a fun episode uh, jean plays mainly putting as you mentioned kind of putting the the finishing touches at the end on on uncovering the plot that has sort of been hanging around as to just what is going on and who is behind all of this mysterious Behavior that's occurring, and all of these coincidences that keep happening in this this strange land, and as you mentioned, ultimately uncovering Ray as the disfigured person, mutant behind the uh, behind the the whole whole charade so yeah there's uh there's some fun interactions some opportunities that jean gets to do to team up with the justice guild of america as uh, mm-hmm. as do the rest of the members of the team but yeah not a, not as jean focused but certainly uh, i'll take any excuse to talk about this episode uh which we originally covered on episode 44 of the podcast
2: absolutely a a stone cold classic that one and uh, definitely one that we will revisit any chance we get for sure but uh, moving on from there to what i would say is probably the (laughs) signature episode for jean other than the the pilot episodes besides secret origins and that is of course the two-part adventure a Night of shadows which is uh, there's sort of a duality to it in the sense that we see the origins of, of Jason blood and Etrigan. And we see him, uh, him and how he was sort of led astray and ultimately betrayed by this, uh, this bewitching mystical character called Morgan Le Fay. And now has, as she's sort of reared her ugly head once again, and is trying to create a a new world for her son to rule using this uh, mysterious artifact the philosopher's stone she uh she calls out to john directly to try to uh to and makes an appeal that uh let's just say she makes him an offer that's very hard to refuse
0: yep she decides that she's going to restore to him or i guess in theory make him feel like he's restored to his long lost martian love and uh, and children and uh it's uh it's it's tempting to him i was trying to think i'm sure this is a story trope that has been used over and over again but the idea of the of the villainous uh a, a character tempting your hero with something that they they have long since desired you know in a restora- in this case a restoration of John's family and uh, being back with those that he loved and lost uh, in, in exchange for doing her bidding. And as you mentioned, it does mirror and follow the same thread as, uh, as we get introduced at the very beginning of what happened to Jason Blood and ultimately how he was uh, tied to and paired to the demon Etrigan. So uh, you have that that uh, that prologue that starts out the episode, giving you the backstory of of Jason Blood and Etrigan, and then you start to see this play out in the same way with Jean. And in a way, you you do feel badly for Jean because he does he does long to be with uh, people of his kind to experience his his life once again, the life that was taken mm-hmm. away from him, and uh, it all feels so real and uh it seems like it's going to cost him very little and uh it's ultimately he realizes at the end as uh as he has turned away from the league uh he's taken the stone and it, the the siren's call seems to be too much for him as he's committed to delivering the stone directly to Morgan Le Fay, just as he's about to hand it over to her. The league seems defeated. Etrigan has also seemingly been defeated all in this big battle that takes place in a castle. And uh, as he's about to hand this stone over to her, he crushes it in his hand. And uh, I love the interaction that he has with her as uh, she asks him what he's done. And he says, the cost was too great. And that's after he's kind of realized and been, he's with it seconds before this, he was visually tempted with a, a reunion with his wife and children. And he realizes at that moment that the cost, the, the actual real cost of losing his family, his new adopted family and his home, home world uh, would be too much in exchange for the uh, for for this momentary respite of uh, of joining a mirage of with his family, so uh, yeah it is it it adds a little bit of context to just who Jean is, what he experiences on a day to day basis, how he feels about being the last of his kind on a strange planet. And uh and then what it would be like to to kind of have this offer that uh you know, as a hero, would he be willing to sacrifice his heroic nature to get what he wanted, the thing that he desires the most, which is you know being reunited with his his lost family. So um uh, it, it adds a dimension to him because it in a way, this is kinda Sounding, uh, sounding uh, waxing poetically here, but it does humanize the Martian character because yes. we see we see the vulnerabilities the, that he has. We this character that we mentioned may be the very most powerful character of them all uh, in in the uh, in the league. These these uh, you know he can read minds and shapeshift and uh, fly and and uh, as you mentioned, sometimes create psychic barriers and do all these incredible Turn
2: things like he does in this episode
0: right uh turn invisible phase through things like yeah he's he's pretty pretty much the most powerful character but this truly makes him very vulnerable and we see that that vulnerability that he has while he doesn't have an actual family that he's protecting that that leaves him vulnerable in that way and this he's offered this this thing that he believes impossible And to him, that that is his one desire to be known to experience, uh, you know, this life that he lost and that he thought he would never be able to experience again and the humanization of that character in that moment. Uh, taking this larger than life hero and making him vulnerable is what uh, you know we we look for and appreciate in so many many different forms of comic book writing but certainly in this episode it's it's a great episode it's a great look at him and ultimately like I said that that moment where he has the stone and he extends it to her. And she's about to take it from Morgan LaFleur. He's about to take it from him. And he just crushes it at the last second and says the cost would be too much with no emotion. He doesn't show any emotion, no sadness, no regret, nothing. It's just the, the Jean delivery. Um, it's stone cold, like just just great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love this episode and the development it does for that character.
1: Nothing will keep me from my loved ones. Especially not you! waiting no
2: what have you done (gasps) you could have had anything you dreamed of your family your whole world could have been yours again
1: the price was too high I see that now you can no longer tempt me
2: absolutely because and, and you get the sense that when he when he does do the right thing when he does choose at the end of the day to not you know damn the world for a you know a, a chance that you know a, an illusion of happiness mm-hmm. uh, uh you know it's it's not totally dissimilar than what we see later on in justice league unlimited with uh, for the man who has everything um where he's you know what would it be like to live in you know even if in the back of your mind you knew what would it be like to be reunited with all of these people that you lost your your children your your wife everyone um all of your people what would it be like and would that you know the joy you felt even knowing it wasn't truly real be worth the trade-off in this case and he ultimately does the right thing but you don't get the sense that it's like like this has damaged him further like this is he's he's having to relive this horrible trauma and kind of lose his family all over again in this moment. So even though he ultimately makes the right decision, he still feels it's not a, it's not a particularly uplifting or happy ending. He sort of apologizes to the rest of the league and, and, and for, you know, for letting them down and, and they, you know, they sort of tell him that it's going to be okay, but it's, it, it is this moment It you know, there's a, very famous episode we haven't gotten to yet in Batman where, you know, the line is, you know, sometimes there are no happy endings. And that's, that's, that's kind of what this episode represents is that he he's faced with that choice and ultimately he makes the right choice, but as is is often the case in real life, making the less selfish choice, making the right choice is not always the choice that makes you feel better. Um, And I think that's, again, a great example of taking a, character who can do all these fantastical things like we've been talking about and making him as relatable as, you know, any anybody you you pass on the street every day. So, a uh, a great job in that episode. Totally agreed there.
0: That episode by the way, you can listen to our review of that episode in the archives on episode 45 of the podcast that one uh also uh quite a long time ago but uh Mm -hmm. well worth checking out uh maybe we'll we'll revisit again for a re-review at some point if uh we do a a trick in month or something like that where (laughs) we a a, a month a revisited month of magic
2: perhaps that's now we're talking that's uh that's uh, that's a concept that we're definitely gonna gotta get back to someday but uh Elsewhere in this final in this final couple episodes we have to talk about this week we have uh, Jean briefly appearing in or uh, er, in uh, Metamorphosis parts one and two really mostly in part two um, again not a not a Jean episode it's a Green Lantern and Metamorpho focused episode that uh, Jean is uh, one of the Leaguers uh, struck with uh, trying to take down a giant green doughy slime monster. Uh, based uh, with the personality or at least some of the personality traits of one Simon Stagg. So not much to, uh, to write home about there, but a, uh, a wacky little adventure to talk about nonetheless.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, that one, by the way, check that out. Uh, episode 188 in the archives if you want to hear some just hilarious moments from that. We also uh, recently discussed that on our uh, interview with uh, the great Len Yuli. Also, we talked about that episode briefly. So if you want to hear some insights and some uh, some general thoughts on that episode also, you can check that out. Uh, check out the recent bonus interview with Len Yuli, a fun episodes review, even if you don't care about the, the metamorphosis episode, but uh, and then check out, uh, as I mentioned, our review of that episode. Uh, 188 in the archives it's a it's an amusing episode again kind of stands on its own much more of a green lantern episode as we he deals with his relationship with uh with uh with metamorpho but yeah a uh, an interesting one some interesting underlying themes we talk about some of the surprising backstory and uh, origin stories and creation of the metamorpho character uh so lots of lots of good stuff on that episode not uh, not a ton of jean stuff that i remember though
2: no, not really, but uh, that does bring us to the final episode of season one. The final three episodes. This was another three-part bombastic epic that they gave us in "The Savage Time," parts one through three, where, of course, the Justice League, uh, after returning to Earth and uh, and and coming back to a, a world they don't exactly recognize, where a a mastermind called Vandal Savage has suddenly taken over the entire Earth and somehow rewritten history so that uh the nazis had won world war ii we uh after after the justice league has an interaction the six members of the justice league not including batman who's a part timer anyway uh in case you forgot (laughs) in case we forgot uh but uh jean and the rest of the justice leaguers first meet up with this freedom fighter alternate universe version of batman who uh agrees to help them find this uh this time portal and then of course Jean, with uh, with the rest of the Leaguers, has to go back in time and try to stop uh, Vandal Savage from uh, from uh, upsetting the timeline. And uh, again, not not really a Jean focused episode across these three parts. It's but it's uh, it's a hoot. It's a really fun episode with uh, so much uh, so much fun just seeing the Justice League in the middle of a World War II battle scene. There's uh, there's some incredible work, some incredible music in that episode. Uh, and uh, and Jean and the rest of the Justice Leaguers, of course, ultimately triumph and uh and return to the present day, and uh, and and Superman <laughs> hugs Batman. It's it's wonderful. It's a it's a wonderful episode, even if not a ton to write home about in the uh, in the Jean department. Of I think you're so,
0: bearing uh, the lead because Jean is the one, first of all, that discovers cryogenically frozen Adolf Hitler.
2: Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> The most bizarre scene in the history of these shows. How did I forget that?
1: A laptop? This way. I thought I heard something. Fascinating. <laughs>
0: We have yes, we have Jean discovering Frozen Hitler, the uh, popsicle Hitler. That's the uh, that's the first one. As uh, as yeah, it's it's revealed towards the end of part one that uh, the hows Vandal Savage rose to power in the uh, in the in Nazi Germany was uh, he he got rid of the in insane. I forget what he, he call him that insane maniac or something like that. He refers yeah, to a raving it. maniac, a raving maniac. That's right. And uh, there's a scene where Jean walks past a, a laboratory <laughs> <laughs> and it's frozen Hitler. Uh anyway. I
2: believe John's uh John's response to seeing that is to say fascinating.
0: Yes. <laughs> And then uh, later on, of course, he gets uh, he gets captured. Uh, he uh, Jean and, and Wonder Woman uh, have to try and figure out, uh, you know, the source of where these uh, mysterious weapons, the war wheels and this advanced technology, how they ended up coming into the hands of the Nazis. Uh, he, as I mentioned, that's uh, him uh, infiltrating a uh, Nazi stronghold is where he discovers the frozen Hitler. And uh, man, I hope, uh, hope Spotify doesn't like word check with a. AI and hear me saying that name a bunch of times and assume that uh, that we're that we need to be banned from their platform. Uh, so I'm going to stop saying his name over and over again. But uh, yes, in part two, uh, I believe he gets captured ultimately by Vandal Savage. There's a pretty pretty interesting torture scene where where Jean is getting tortured by uh, by Jean, and he kind of wants to know uh w- exactly what uh what they know about his plans Jean ends up escaping and destroying the laptop computer from the future that has been giving vandal savage his uh his competitive advantage during the war and then uh, at the end uh I, it, it, he's he's a part of that flight battle i think with uh with the Blackhawks I seem to remember Jean Jean helping in that fight as well I think going in between mm-hmm. in and, we'll and out. Of so
2: yeah, so he ends up, uh, he ends up trapped on the, he's captured by Vandal Savage and his uh, Emperor from Star Wars electric hand weapon, right? Uh, and then I believe as he's, I think ultimately he's freed during that final battle with, uh, with the big flying wings and everything. And yeah, so you have the uh, the Blackhawks and 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 Superman and and Hawkgirl and everyone active, and he uh, he's freed and. Rejoins the battle thanks to, uh, thanks to, I believe, Wonder Woman freeing him in, in that, uh, in that final battle.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we, we do, <laughs> we do get, uh, uh them fighting in that battle as you mentioned and then ultimately they all he's part of the leaguers arriving back home safe and sound after uh saving the past from from vandal savage so uh certainly some memorable moments and scenes the torture scene is uh is pretty memorable uh, of uh jean being tortured as you mentioned with the the electro gloves and uh Uh, I I love there's actually I think the most one of the most memorable interactions takes place in that first scene uh, where uh, Jean and the rest of the leaguers are are interacting with the uh, the the savage time Batman and uh, they Mm -hmm. run into this version of Batman and uh, he's asking for their help he Batman in this this world is leading a resistance against the uh against the the powers uh the the Nazis that have won the war, so it's at this point that they have to go back in time and uh Jean just before the the leaguers head back in time to fix the past. Uh, he He looks at this version of of Bruce Wayne slash Batman and says, "You know do you understand that if we change the past, this version of you will never have existed and Batman looks at him and says, Nothing would make me happier just a mm-hmm. a really cool little interaction there, obviously more maybe perhaps of a, a of a Batman moment than a Jean moment but i do I do love the fact that Jean at least appeals and and helps him understand the weight of what 's going on here he 's not just going to will nilly going go back in the past and change it without the, you know, the people here in this, in this moment, recognizing that this will erase their existence. So yeah, really, really, really good episode. Obviously. I mean, we, <laughs> it's one of the seminal best written fun mm-hmm. episodes of, uh, of the entire justice league run. So uh, unsurprisingly, one that we really, really enjoyed and one to, uh, to revisit another one, I'm sure given the opportunity in the future, we'll, uh, we'll do a re-review at some point, but that was episode 46 originally when we did the uh, the first review of that.
2: Absolutely. And uh, so that does wrap up our episode recap for these season one Jean episodes. Though, uh, as mentioned a couple times during our uh, our chats about these individual episodes, we'd be remiss, of course, not to mention once again, the voice of Jean Jones, of course, uh, you know, brought to us by the great casting and voice director, Andrea Romano. We, of course, have the, uh, the great Carl Lumbly, as uh, as John Jones had previously worked in the DCAU a few times as uh, as the Stalker on Batman Beyond, and then uh, of course he would also voice P- uh, Anansi the Spider on Static a few times as well and. You hear him a few other times. He pops up. I think he's he's the mayor in uh, in Speed Demons, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, indeed. And, uh, and maybe one or two other. Uh, we miners.
0: hypothesized, uh, hypothesized, in fact, that this was this was uh, pre being captured by the U uh, S. government slash white Martians Jean uh, <laughs> appearance on
2: Earth. I love that idea, and uh, we're sticking with it. In fact, of course, Carl Limbly's performances. We've already talked about a lot of his best moments, whether they be in. Episodes like Legends, Secret Origins, or of course, uh, A Night of Shadows, perhaps most famously, uh, there's, a, there's a nice little tidbit in, in an interview he gave, uh, where he, he mentioned, uh, you know, he himself, of course, is a, uh, you know, is the child of immigrants, and, uh, you know, he, he sort of was able to bring some of his own life experience into the role of Jean and, and kind of the idea of not only, you know, not only was he in this strange new place, but there was there was no old home to go back to for, for John. And he could, he could kind of, uh, you know, he kind of identified with that feeling being a kid moving to the, to the States when he was young. So I thought that was a, a nice, interesting bit of uh, his own personal process of getting, getting into the character. And then of course, his work with the, uh, with the other justice leaguers um, are uh, of course, George Newbern is Superman and, and Kevin Conroy is Batman. Susan Eisberg is Wonder Woman. And uh and everyone else. He gets like I said, he he his interactions, some of the I think again, some of the comedic, more understated moments, whether it's him uh playing off of Batman as mentioned or, or playing off of Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash, he uh he can he could be a little bit funny as well. Um, and uh and it's not even though he's uh, he's mostly a very serious character, he does uh he does get some moments of uh even so sometimes he's playing the uh the Debbie Downer. I believe it's in uh Blackness part one where uh The flash is attempting unsuccessfully to hit on uh hit on Hawk girl and uh when john uh, he sees John kind of looking at him and he asks what don't you ever get lonely and uh, and John responds more than you could possibly imagine in as <laughs> stoically a voice as possible, but some you know some understated comedy from uh from uh from Carl Umbly in this role as well as all of the uh, the big dramatic monologues we've talked about already
0: oh for sure yeah i mean it, he I feel like we do this every single time we do one of these spotlight episodes because we've covered just who's who of the characters and so many of them in justice league, but he's in the discussion for the Mount Rushmore of voice actors, right? Like Mm -hmm. because of, I think because of the type of character he was asked to play also. And some, some people may look at that as you're playing an emotionless character or mainly emotionless. Like he's oftentimes just very straight laced, very uh very cold and and feels like he doesn't have to put a lot of emotion in the things that he's doing or saying uh as this character but there's still some some gravitas to that there's something that has to be uh there's there's something i think that you have to still do to communicate that this is not cold or lifeless because the actor that's reading the lines doesn't know how to act. It's because this character themselves is very sort of mellow and monotone and just does not show a lot of emotion. There's a lot, there has to be a lot to happen to this character in particular for them to either uh, become angry, to lose their cool, to begin, you know, to yell. Um, But for the most part, he's, he's very, very sort of just one one note as a character not the voice actor but as a character so how do you do that and come off not sounding as as uh you know as a inexperienced or an untalented voice actor i i would put this up there as like the master class because it does come across mm-hmm. as somebody who is reserved maybe a little bit quiet someone who does more observation like i think that is communicated through his voice he's observing things he's he's absorbing the information he's learning still about the uh the 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 different people and the way that uh the way that this society works so all that is kind of uh is kind of communicated in this sort of mellow way that that often these lines are delivered and it's, some of it is uh, uh, can be come off as he's naive in some ways, other ways. Mm -hmm. It's just, he's, you know, holding the line. He's the steady backbone of the, of the team never gets too high or too low. Um, and I love I think all of that is communicated in just this this mellow soft-spoken way that Mr. Lumbly chose to voice this mm-hmm. character um, it's it's great it's it's really really strong and again we we oftentimes will will use this line when we're talking about you know reading comic books and hearing voices but whenever i see a cartoon and the martian manhunter has a different voice it's like it just doesn't do it for me like it, <laughs> it, it this mellow sort of just dry soft comforting tone that mr lumbley chose uh for this character communicates a uh, person from another from another planet but also uh hero like someone that it is not uh is not an open threat is friendly is kind all of that is i think in that performance and it's uh why i i'd say he's in the discussion for for the the top names uh for in for best act voice actors and actresses on in the d c a u
2: absolutely yeah he is uh he is on the short list uh to be sure and yeah there's a there's a line he walks where yes like you said it is It can be sort of monotone, but it's never without emotion. It's never without effort. Um, Again, whether it is the more serious, even the more dramatic uh, emotional beats, like we've talked about, or his, uh, his, uh, his more understated sort of quieter conversations that he has, he, he always brings it and he's, he's truly one of the best. And as promised, allow me to reiterate that for some reason uh, Don Cheadle, who was in one scene of Falcon and the Winter Soldier got nominated for an Emmy but Carl Lumbly who was the best actor on that show uh in that season did not and that's uh that's a travesty of justice that uh, has still not been remedied and uh I'm still upset about it so I just wanted to throw that in there as well <laughs> yeah we will
0: continue to allow you the the opportunity to express your frustration and uh, dissatisfaction with the with the emmy the emmy nominees or the people that nominate emmy's uh for that for that decision he uh he deserves reconsideration
2: look look, it would be one thing if no superhero shows ever got nominated like you understand then there's like a barrier because of the type of show it is fine but it's not (laughs) Right, like The Mandalorian got nominated for Best Series. Like these things happen now, right? And yet, and yet, somehow he didn't get nominated, but an actor who was in literally one scene of the same show he was in uh, did for some reason. So, but that's really all just to say what a what a wonderful actor uh, Jean uh, Jean's voice actor, Mister Carl Lumbly, is, and from the world of animation and television. Before we sign off here, Cal, we have a couple other categories we'd like to touch on in these character spotlights, and the first will be tie-in comic books. Of course, there was the long-running Justice League Adventures uh, line of comics that went right along with the animated series as it was coming out. And uh, the first one that I'll mention is Justice League Adventures number two. Didn't have to wait long to get a Jean a spotlight here uh, written by Paul Story with uh, art by Craig Rousseau and uh, Russo. Apologies, I should uh, probably be botching that, but uh, a Jean, a, a, a little bit of a Jean spotlight again. This is, uh, this is where I think the tie-in comics really shine in this and actually really several of the ones that I would talk about today is uh, this one, issue two, issue 10 as well. Uh, allows you to maybe go a little bit deeper when you don't have time to do it on the 22 minute episode, right? It lets you explore those themes of alienation and, and then being the outsider and all of those sorts of things with John that maybe you don't have uh, as much time to put, to put, uh, put focus on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, as we've, we've talked about, it's a great, uh, it's a great companion piece. Uh, Some of those, some of those comics are, goofy and have stories that end up contradicting stuff that happens later <laughs> on in the in the actual uh, that timeline or or can canon of the show but uh, comics are 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 and always have been fun first I think for me mm-hmm. and uh, you know this is an extension of that you get some great artwork you get some great uh great little stories that include uh include john and kind of expand a little bit upon the lore that uh that uh, you, you enjoy and love so if you take it if you can take it as it is uh and and enjoy it and perhaps you subscribe to uh you know the greatest single app in the history of uh of humankind that do- <laughs> <laughs> the D- dc universe infinite app it's a wonderful app by the way it uh, sure is. it's uh you know they're all there for your reading avail- uh, uh, availability at uh at any time that you, you're sitting there and you're bored and you want to want to catch up on some so yeah i will always be a proponent of these tie-in comics honestly we probably in the long run uh, because of our, our, for the first initial portion of our lives, we had uh, limited access to television. Uh, we spent more time with comic books and the comic book world of the DCAU at times. So, mm-hmm. yeah, special place in our hearts for, for these comics and for, you know, for these, these artists and, and uh, writers that worked on, on these little stories that, that expanded upon uh, what we would see in a, in a 22 or 44 minute uh, episode.
2: Absolutely. So uh, yeah, just very quickly, I'll touch on a couple others. Uh, Justice League Adventures number 10, as mentioned, uh, written by Joss Seagal and uh, pencils by Christopher Jones. Another story that kind of focuses on John's uh, alienation actually kind of gets to see how the other half lives is after Superman is injured in order to uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a uh, nighttime, but uh, this time it's Superman who's down for the count and uh, John steps into that role and, and sort of sees, sees life a little differently when people look at him as though he's Superman. It's a, it's a fun issue and a really tremendous uh, cover on that issue by, uh, by uh, none other than uh, perennial uh, DCAU director and artist, uh, that being Butch Lukic along with Todd Klein, an image of John uh, sort of standing there holding, holding his head with, a lot of angry human faces, sort of representing, I guess, the minds he's read and, and the way that people look at him as this this alien monster. So it's a it's a great cover and uh, and a pretty fun issue as well. And then the, the last one I think that's really worth mentioning is issue sixteen of Justice League Adventures, where Jean is uh, is investigating a traitor on the Watchtower. In fact, it's the return of the not called the Imperium uh, aliens. <laughs> As they are apparently about to mount another invasion of Earth, and there's worry that the Justice League might have a traitor in their midst. Only at the very end, for it to turn out that Jean is uh, Jean himself was the traitor, and that the alien had been implanted with sort of false memories. Uh, and ultimately, though the uh, the heroic nature of Jean of taking on Jean's life, he zeta's it. He uh, he takes on the uh, the he impersonates the guy so well that he realizes that he wants to be a hero like John is like the rest of the justice league is, and ultimately sacrifices himself while Batman and John escape uh, that, that issue written by Scott McCloud and Judith Hansen with pencils by John Delaney, uh, a very fun one. And again, just another, another example of you being able to uh, expand and flesh out some of those, uh, those, those fun stories from the show that maybe felt like there was uh, there was more story left to tell. So uh, those are, I would say, the the, the seminal uh, tie-in issues that focus on Jean from Justice League Adventures. We uh, perhaps might have one or two more to mention in future, but uh, Cal, it's time for I think maybe the most fun part of a lot of these character spotlights is, and it's time to talk about toys.
0: That's right. Let's go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, uh, Justice League was that. This was the first show after uh, Kenner slash Hasbro lost that uh, that master uh animated uh dc cartoon uh license and it went over to mattel and uh first things first minus hawk girl of course who came a little bit later we had these original releases of these six of these six justice league members with their uh adjoining uh little stands which of course formed the word justice league and each stand had a character's uh symbol and name on it as well that uh that original release as as we've talked about with the other character spotlights this uh these new Justice League toys, these new Mattel Justice League toys, a uh, pretty special place in our heart, and obviously that would expand into an unlimited D J L U line, which we will talk about in future episodes. But uh, yes, this first genre release, like they kind of nail it. Like he's got, he's he he looks like he walked right out of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: those uh those first original 6 and then ultimately the 7th when they eventually added Hawk Girl to the roster. Mm-hmm. Uh those those figures still stand up I think at this point uh they they are sort of miniature dumbed down versions of the, the larger vinyl figures, which we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, it is very much uh, a, a smaller version, miniature version of that figure. Five points of articulation only. That means you're only moving arms and legs up and down. Uh, but this was a big one because this was the first ever opportunity that we had at owning a Martian Manhunter figure. I remember uh, I was so desperate for a Martian Manhunter figure. I made a custom Martian Manhunter where oh. I had taken another figure and ch- carved his hair off and painted him green and he was going to be Martian Manhunter uh you know so desperate for for a figure to uh, of this this particular character so uh, I remember when uh these figures were announced being very very concerned that john was going to be hard to find because, of course, you're going to you're going to be able to find the Superman and the Batman figures. They're plentiful, you know. They're the the executives know that that little Johnny wants to get a Batman or a Superman figure, but really, how how many people want a Green Alien figure? You know, <laughs> John's not exactly like a, a household name at this point. In fact, he's in the logo for the Justice League. He's in the back. He and, he and Hawker <laughs> are are pulling up the rear uh, on the roster. There so they they know where their place is as far as that's concerned so I was very concerned I remember the first time that I was able to find one uh in the store and uh I was able to grab it a Toys R Us back in the day grabbed it from Toys R Us uh very happy to to add that to my collection as you mentioned comes with a little stand there so you can build the whole Justice League stand and it comes with a little Jean lenticular card which switches between a logo that I didn't know that existed for the Martian Manhunter it's kind of like a I don't know what it is. It looks like a piece of pie, a gold piece of pie or something (laughs) like that. And it just says Martian Manhunter around that or not a a piece of pie, a whole pie kind of sectioned off. And then, (laughs) then it switches to the, the stock stock image uh, of, uh, of Martian Manhunter with his hands on his hips flying. So uh very cool uh those those figures displayed look awesome with the cards behind them and it is very faithful to how the character looks in the episode the only my only minor complaint which they ended up rectifying later on in the justice league unlimited line was the shade of green they chose didn't quite match how he appeared mm-hmm. in the show a little dark yeah he's a little a little darker he's a little sort of like a like a forest green i'd say versus mm-hmm. uh i think in the in the show he was more of like a I don't know, like a lime green, maybe, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. not quite ripe avocado. I don't know what color you, <laughs> uh, definitely not that shade of green. So, uh, but, uh, that was fixed later on.
2: Absolutely. And, uh, also in that Mattel, the, uh, what is this 4.75 uh, inches lines uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. from that line? We had the, uh, attack armor. we got the deluxe figures. We had barely any villains in those original justice league sets, but we did get some, uh, some different versions of our our heroes and the sort of deluxe version of Martian Manhunter, instead of coming with like wacky weapons and stuff that he didn't use, they actually kind of made a, a pretty fun uh, two in one figure Mm -hmm. uh, where uh, it was called uh, attack armor, Martian Manhunter, where you had the, uh, the main figure, the plastic was him, more uh sort of it's sort of half in his uh his traditional martian form with the chest and the arms and a uh, a removable uh, pointy martian head and then if you wanted to have the classic superhero look there was sort of a big rubber piece that you could you could pop the head off the uh, the martian head and put on his uh, his big uh, superhero rubber you couldn't really move the arms once the rubber was on right but, uh, but you, if, you, if you wanted to sort of uh, mimic him him changing between his his different forms, uh, this was a pretty cool figure' it's, 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 it doesn't quite work because the bottom half of his body still has the blue underpants right and uh, and the boots and stuff but it is it was a cool idea and it was a cool way to kind of work that in to a line without you, you know they couldn't because if they just made a completely standalone, you know, true Martian form figure. I think that one that one might still be on like cvs shells or something <laughs> like gathering dust i don't know if that would have sold a lot even if even if big nerds like us would have loved it so the the two-in-one a la a quick change superman or some of the uh, the batman figures where it would be a bruce wayne with like a rubber bat cowl you could put on there uh, it fits right in with those and it's a it's a it's a pretty good shake at uh, at doing a uh, an alternate sean here with his uh, his martian form
0: yeah i i would agree i think they swung for the fences i don't know that they hit a home run maybe maybe off the wall uh because it does look (laughs) a little goofy when he has his uh his his uh, either way he kind of looks a little goofy because he has like full arms that go like the the top half of him the arms go down to his wrists and it doesn't quite fit tight up against his wrist so it looks like his skin is (laughs) popping off of him and then uh, as you mentioned, when he's uh, in his in his traditional Martian form, uh, he's just kind of half Martian at that point. So I guess you could say he's mid transformation or something if you wanted to. But yeah, it's a it's a fun concept. Again, we're looking at a children's toy here. First and foremost, we keep that in mind. Uh, it's a fun thing. You know, we're going to transform little Johnny's got to get his uh his traditional alien form to his Martian Manhunter form. We're going to do it. We're not going to think too hard about it. And uh, it it, it's a it's a it's a fun concept, as you mentioned, you know, figuring out how they were going to make a a two in one figure uh, work for this line. And instead of just doing a traditional Batman or Superman, hey, why not? uh, Why not try the fun looking Martian? And hey, honestly, the sculpt of Jean's true Martian form pretty darn good for for what was on the uh, on the show. So, yeah, I would I would give this like like a three quarters thumbs up.
2: Like it's it's pretty I totally agree. Yeah. Like I said, it was, I think it was the best they could have possibly done. And there is, there is good effort put into the sculpting of the, the chest and the, uh the alternate head and all that. So you give them credit from there. And uh before we get to the main event, as you mentioned, the, which we've uh, we've touched on previously, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this with our, our last couple of leaguers, but there are two happy meal toys to talk about or whatever the other fast food rant, uh, uh, <laughs> Ki- king kids. kids club the mighty kids meal i mm-hmm. believe was the burger king one at the time uh-huh. i'm not sure if subway ever had a name but yes we do have do you have two toys we have a burger king uh figure which was like a translucent blue jean uh surrounded by a translucent green serpent dragon thing mm-hmm. and you press the button on the stand and the dragon fell apart and there was your your martian man her, kind of mimicking the shape change cool idea and uh, exactly what you want for a, uh, you know, that's like, that's like prehistoric fidget spinners, right? It's just a thing when you're a kid, you just have that. And you just, <laughs> you just pressing that button nonstop for like an hour. So <laughs> your parents yell at you and tell you to knock it off. <laughs> exactly. That's what that's there for. <laughs> yep, for sure. And then uh, of course the, uh, the Burger King figures were actually kind of, well, they were pretty decent. Some of them were completely immobile, immobile. Some of them had like moving arms, um, but they were they also had sort of adjoining stands that you could uh, you could put together except for Flash and Wonder Woman, I believe were straws <laughs> but this everybody...
0: it was called the subway kids pack <laughs>
2: the kids pack now yeah. we 're talking um yes, this is a uh so this this one i don 't know if we had the jean I know I know I had the green Lantern, and I feel like we had one of the straws or something, and maybe the Superman which for some reason, the Superman was like the weirdly translucent plastic one.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think never understood that it? why, why Superman was translucent. Uh, yep. Yeah, never. I don't remember having the Jean. I think maybe we had the Hawk girl at one point also uh, definitely had the uh, definitely had the John Stewart definitely had Batman was also translucent. I don't, don't, don't understand with that one. <laughs> uh, and I think we had the flash straw at some point, but again, the flash was affixed to the straw Uh, Yeah, that's a that's a flashback in time that honestly, as you mentioned, uh, they were kind of faithful to the the way the characters looked. that might be worth uh, worth taking a gander at and see if you can get a set off of eBay or something. They're kind of cool looking. The straws notwithstanding.
2: (laughs) Yeah, pretty cool. I will say those Burger King ones. Also, they all came with a a individual little mini comic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the with the uh, the eighth, it was so there's the seven leaguers got a toy and then there's a javelin toy. And uh, if you collected them all, it told kind of one long story. So those were uh, those were kind of we spent a lot of time. Here's a personal story. <laughs> uh, we would call our local Burger King and ask like which Justice League toys they had. Because like I feel like we got like we got like the Green Lantern and the Superman that's like on a, a meteorite uh-huh. with a magnet in his belly. I remember that one. And then we were like, we're trying to get them all. And I think we actually somehow managed to get them all.
0: Yeah, for people who Um, didn't eat fast food very often and whose parents probably weren't exactly thrilled, and those poor fast food workers who were calling (laughs) on a daily basis to (laughs) ask, What plastic toy do you have to give away to us?
2: Right. And I I literally remember this because it's like so burned in my brain because I was, I don't know, 10 or whatever at the time, maybe not even that old. And I remember calling one day and asking, so what, you know, what kind of, what, what, which toys do you have? And the the lady said, and I quote, the same ones we had yesterday and <laughs> hung up on me. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. <laughs> In retrospect, I'm like, I'm fair enough. We were, <laughs> yep, we were, we were harassing these poor minimum wage workers just trying to get our, our justice league toys, but somehow, some way, uh we did manage to collect i believe all uh, all 8 toys and all 8 comics in that sense. Yeah. so that's uh that's that those burger king toys are uh, are pretty uh, a pretty etched in my brain even if they aren't aren't that great as actual toys
0: yeah agreed uh the the they're they're fun little things i think if i had enough room real estate to display like a whole bunch of justice league stuff i might consider getting those because they were kind of cool cool looking but mm-hmm. uh as far as displaying as a small small set that kind of looks neat i would say the subway ones are probably more conducive to a to a cool looking set uh if you're if you're looking to display them
2: absolutely and speaking of uh items if you have a little bit more room in your display case you might want to look at these some of the uh, as we've talked about before the best dcau figures of any size ever made these 12 inch vinyl justice league figures that we got Uh, and uh, the jean one is no exception as you mentioned the the smaller more popular figure just a smaller version of it but pretty much just like you just took the uh the original character models that they worked on for the show and you just made that into an action figure a big 12 inch one it's uh it's a gorgeous piece as uh, as a lot of them are
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are based on, for my for my understanding, I read this someplace, and I could not tell you factually where I've read it. I think I just saw it repeated enough times on like little toy forums and such. But I'm I'm fairly certain uh, that they were based on DC Direct sculpts, like they were that mm-hmm. they were character maquettes that were made. Uh, by DC direct uh, perhaps even for the, the character models, 3d character models. Mm -hmm. And they were then taken from those uh, at Mattel added some articulation and, uh, and then kind of shrunk down to that 10 inch size. So because of that, they are some of, if not the most faithful representations of those characters. Again, uh, Jean's shade of green is probably a little bit uh, too dark, maybe one to two shades too dark. But overall, it is uh, it is certainly uh, an impressive piece. He stands pretty well, uh, all things considered. And uh, he, he, does, uh, he does look pretty formidable. He's taller than the other figures. That's something else that I, we didn't mention, I mm. don't think. Uh, he, those Mattel figures, the ankles were a little weak because uh, Bruce Timm characters have teeny tiny ankles in most cases. <laughs> so uh, they sacrificed the ability for, for the characters to stand in order to capture the realism of the character models for these figures. And unfortunately, based on the materials they chose to make the figures out of, which was like a soft pvc the characters mm-hmm. really don't stand very well uh this jean stands very well and towers over uh as he rightfully should as a taller martian character than some of the uh the other figures there so yeah it is a it is a impressive uh figure the the 10 inch line he probably stands maybe 10 and a half inches 10 and a quarter inches So a little bit taller than the, uh, the rest of the figures, but, uh, yeah, very, 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 uh, faithful interpretation of that. Uh, I love that entire set of figures and have it proudly, uh, displayed that, that, uh, Jean is, uh, a, a vinyl piece of, uh, of beauty there
2: with, uh, minimal articulation, but still, still faithful to the representation. Absolutely. And a uh, rapid fire here, this just in, I realized there was another deluxe release, of that uh, of the Jean figure, and uh, this one, I believe, actually did have a little bit of additional articulation, and uh, it was, of course, from the famed and I use that very sarcastically uh, Justice League toy line Cyber Trackers, trackers spelled T R A K K E R S, you know, <laughs> because it's cool, uh, and and John comes with some sort of giant uh, metal contraption. Uh, I believe it's a missile launcher and uh, some sort of weird weapon you could stick in his hand. I guess this version's a little bit different. Like I said, it's a little ad- additional articulation and uh, he has open hands this time. So you can hold whatever wacky weapon they gave him. So a little bit of a, of a little bit of extra tooling to the, to the figure before, uh, before this original justice league line was ended.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was, um I, I honestly like when they added the articulation and gave him those open hands, he so, sort of lost his uh, faithful representation
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: to, the, to the character a little bit. He just kind of looks a little goofy. Uh, his hands are also just kind of weirdly just open. And so, like, when he bends his hands, it kind of looks like he's trying to do the robot or some something. Uh, so, yeah, not. Didn't like the articulation added, even though it was more uh, added, more playability for the character. Not uh, not not an
2: improvement on the sculpt uh, like the original one altogether. Absolutely. And and finally, I guess we'll talk about another one that we've, I think, touched on in every one of these Justice League character spotlights, which was the uh, somewhat ill fated, the original version of the DC Universe app, where it was a. Uh, going to be like a streaming video platform and also have its own exclusive store and merchandise. One of its uh, launch items was a line of DC Collectibles slash DC Direct uh, Justice League animated series figures. And uh, as we've talked about those figures, it looked like they ended up being a victim of some cost-cutting for a time at least as we said dc direct went away completely before being brought back under the larger dc mcfarland toys uh, uh relationship um the yeah like like a lot of these uh these uh dc collectibles justice league figures really cool idea i think we were all real jazzed about it when it was announced especially after those great uh dc direct batman the animated series figures which we've talked about quite a bit in fact we did an entire bonus episode just about the uh the dc direct uh, dcau figures which you can hear back in the archives but these uh this justice league line uh was short-lived and uh and uh not not exactly a home run as as you said
0: yep very underwhelming a lot of potential there obviously with the excitement of the other figures Uh, Jean is probably one of the most faithful I would say I remember him actually he was the first leak that ever came out uh, prior to the DC infinite infinite launch that I think it was around for maybe about a year or so towards the dying days of the of the original DC direct Batman the animated series line there was a leak that this Jean figure came out so there was some excitement brewing. Um, as we mentioned, cost cutting, no extra hands, no extra accessories, none of the extra like little bonus parts that the Batman, the animated series and new Batman adventures figures came with. So it took a little wind out of the sails. Uh, the character, it, it, the figure looks fine. Um, I think they it, it, it looks pretty faithful to the, the character on the show. Uh so of this set there were some major stinkers and I think there were some ones that uh they, they sort of hit a home run with. And this one probably uh leans more towards hitting a home run with, but uh again, disappointed. Should have come with like streaky, uh the yes. uh super cat <laughs> would have been a cool, cool accessory. Could have uh plate of
2: a- non copyrighted uh Chocolate sandwich cookies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You could have had uh, perhaps the Charlie Brown sweater also <laughs> as an accessory. Uh, you could have could have had a lot of fun with uh, with different things here. But uh, unfortunately, we're left with just the figure, which overall, when compared with his uh, his other Justice League members, uh, lands toward one of the more favorable ones for my review. But what could have been leaves uh, leaves some something to be
2: desired. That's right. Well, we've, uh, we've seen, we've seen McFarlane is at least willing to re-release some of the older DC direct uh, animated figures. So who knows what could happen in the future, but uh, that will begin to wrap us up for this special character spotlight episode. Thank you everybody for listening, uh, whether you do so on Apple podcasts, Spotify, google Podcasts, or of course as cal mentioned on the pod tower youtube channel uh, we do thank you uh, if you like the show and you want to help us out uh, a good free way to do it as we always say is to uh, is to give us five stars and leave us a review on whichever app you listen to those do really help us out as does liking and sharing videos and subscribing to the channel on uh, on youtube that all helps us out as well uh, if you'd want to uh, if you want to support us a bit more directly a bit more uh, direct monetarily uh, we do have a couple of ways to do that in the show notes you there's a there's a little donate button on our main page where you can uh, you can buy us a coffee if you like a couple people very appreciative and uh, of course we also have a link to our store page where you can pick yourself up a mug or a hat or a shirt what have you Uh, If you're, uh, if you're looking to get something back for your, uh, for your dollar, we do appreciate if you support us any of those ways. And, uh, and Cal, as we begin to wrap it up, we mentioned this is the fourth Saturday. Now we got one more and a fifth Saturday, as always, that means it's time to take another trip around the multiverse next week.
0: That is right, Liam, and we will be uh, sticking around. It'll be actually a two-week journey in the multiverse as we will mm-hmm. kick things off next week with a very interesting on-brand, on-theme. So as uh, as we've talked about this month was a Justice League Unlimited month. So we talked a little bit about uh, the Justice League. We landed on an episode that very much focused on the original seven of the league. So uh, mm-hmm. shifting from there, we talked about, of course, Martian Manhunter this entire episode. And uh, next week, what do you say we look at an alternate version of the Justice League? That's always fun. And uh, we have no better option at this point than to look uh, towards the Often overlooked, as we've talked about, but uh, I think those who know, know just uh, some of the, the great content and uh, great stories that were told in this series. But uh little known fact here, I had forgotten it, in fact, before we discussed and decided to to review this episode. But the person that kicked off the Justice League story arc in 2004's The Batman cartoon is a little old. Martian Manhunter. So, his initial appearance, which ultimately leads to an entire season's worth of Justice League content, leading to the finale of that series being the formation of the Justice League, with part one of the Batman season four episode, The Joining Part One.
2: That's right. A lot to talk about there. A lot of homages to, uh, to other famous uh, meetings of Batman and the Martian Manhunter, and uh, as we always say, just fun to uh, to get back into another series that uh, that we really enjoy, that maybe doesn't get the shine that some of these other shows that we usually talk about do. So we can't wait to talk about that on the show next week. But until then, I'm Liam, and I'm Cal, and we'll be back soon on another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.